Hello, and thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, I do want to ask everyone to please support. That helps me help you. And also don't feel shy about sharing this message if you feel like it could help somebody else. Um, Also, if you or someone you know is in a situation of domestic violence and you're in the United States, you can get help by calling the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 800-9, excuse me, I am so sorry, 800-799-7233. And um, one other little piece of housekeeping before we get started, and that is that this could um, have some triggers in it for some of you, so I wanted to give you that trigger warning. But I also, as I'm going through this, want to talk about trigger warnings. And this seems to be the thing when we talk about um, delicate issues in social media now that we give these trigger warnings, regardless of whether it's domestic violence or abuse, uh, substance abuses, and various um, things that we go through. And... Um, In this particular case, and what I'm going to talk about today, and that is how I got over uh, my issues with being abused, is that triggers, triggers aren't always bad. Now, I put the trigger warning at the beginning of my podcast just because some people can't listen to this type of material. It's upsetting to them. And that seems to me like the responsible thing to do. But as someone who is trying to recover, um, and this is a broad statement or a broad issue, um, because I think it would apply also to people who are dealing with addictions, um, which incidentally... I kind of look at this almost like an addiction in the way that you behave until you figure out that you don't want to live like this anymore. But when I was in the group for survivors of domestic violence, one of the things that we talked about was they didn't call them triggers. This was a long time ago, and I don't know that it was actually a term at the time. They called them red flags. And um, they wanted us to look for red, red flags as we were meeting people. Um, so it's not a bad thing, is basically what my point is. Not necessarily. When your body or your emotions react to something that we call a trigger or a red flag, this is, this is your, the way you warn yourself that this is a situation that maybe you shouldn't get into. And that's a, um, a good thing. So if you have some sort of a substance abuse and, you know, you're at a party and people whip out some paraphernalia and you get that trigger, that thing that makes you feel anxious, maybe it's time to leave. And it's the same thing with relationships, Um, especially when you're talking about domestic violence um, and you get that first little warning 
that something's wrong or this makes me uncomfortable. We really need to listen to that because that's your body or your brain telling you that this is something you recognize that's not healthy. Um, and when, you know, when you're in a situation of domestic violence, I mean, you'll hear as you talk to people about it or you read stories and listen to um, people telling their stories, you know, when you meet somebody who's abusive, they don't come right out and sock you in the face and then say, hi, my name is Joe or my name is Sally or whatever. Usually there's little signs that come along before that, before it escalates to a violent situation. And so the point of these red flags is your body's telling you to be on the lookout, beware, watch out. It's time to set up healthy boundaries. It's time to maybe um, end this relationship before it gets out of hand, before you get too deeply involved. And so um, I guess that's the first thing is learning what is a trigger. And I guess for everybody it may be a little different, but there's so much similarities. Like, for instance, um, somebody does something mean, um, but when you confront them about it, Oh, it was a joke. You can't take a joke. Well, that was one of the things that happened to me with my abusive spouse is that, um, you know, he would say or do something to me and laugh about it. You know, he thought it was funny, but it really wasn't funny. It was, it was mean. Or um, I can tell you another trigger for me is like somebody with an explosive rage um, who may be calm at first and then all of a sudden they're just screaming and yelling and that goes back to my childhood like there was no warning with my mother well maybe there could have been some warning you know over the course of the day but I might not have seen those things building up to whenever she decided to lose her mind um you know so this explosive anger is definitely a trigger for me I it upsets me I can feel it I get a physical sensation. It's not just, you know, in my head, the warning lights going, bah, bah, bah. it's also my body um, becomes tense. And I, you know, have those things that you experience when you're having anxiety. So that's a trigger. And um, this is so important because when you're developing a relationship if you're not acknowledging these red flags, it just moves you a little, little bit closer every single time to the point where uh, things could be physical. So yes, we want to listen to those red flags. They're not bad. That's a warning sign. And don't dismiss your feelings. If something, if you feel something or you hear something that gives you that trigger or that red flag, you need to pay attention. That's one of the things that I learned, a key thing that I learned. So moving on, I wanted to talk about how I got over um, being a, a victim to being a survivor and being victorious. And um, so when my husband left me, and um, I knew that 
I was not going to get back together with him, and I got over the initial grieving period, I, I did decide to date a little bit for a little while, but there were still things going on. He was still harassing me. My children were also having to deal with this breakup, and um, I was actually still in therapy, which, by the way, that is another thing that I recommend. And um, there's there's different types of therapy that you can get into. I mean, at one point, I was seeing four different people for four different reasons. I don't necessarily recommend that you need that, but... Um, You know, probably the most practical thing would be a personal, you know, somebody individual therapy and then a group of, of people who are survivors. There, there's definitely strength in numbers. And um, one thing I can tell you is that, um, at, at least in my experience, there were a lot of people around me that listened to me but didn't necessarily have the training on how to deal with somebody who was um, trying to recover. Uh, you know, these were my friends and people that I that cared about me. And it's not really their responsibility, in, in all honesty. It's not their responsibility to help you recover. So, again, talking about boundaries, and this is really, really important because people who are in this dynamic, and that goes both ways, for the abuser who doesn't understand boundaries, but also for the abused, we don't understand boundaries either. And it's really important that we start learning about boundaries. So your friends can listen to you and they can love you and, you know, care about you, but they don't understand they're not qualified to teach you these things. You may get tidbits from them. And I'll go into some of that in a little bit too. But, um, you know, that's not their responsibility. And in all reality, now looking back and understanding about boundaries and, and the statement that I just made, that's not their responsibility. It, it really isn't. Um, it's better to have somebody who's trained to help you learn how to establish healthy boundaries. So an individual therapist would really, really help with that. And then in a, in a group therapy, you have women and men, I suppose. There could be, you know, a man, because we don't want to compartmentalize this and say it's just a woman's issue. Um, but people who have actually experienced abuse... So they have firsthand knowledge. They may not have the credentials, but they have firsthand knowledge of understanding what it's like to be in that situation and can offer, just by sharing their stories, first of all, just by sharing their stories, they real, you will realize that you're not alone. You're not the only person that's gone through this. Hence me telling my story, and hopefully you can get something out of that to help you. Um, understand or help you get out of a situation or help somebody else if, if you're a person who knows somebody. Um, but it, it's always, you get the most from sharing with somebody who's shared that experience is basically my point. And we all go through things differently, even though it may be the same. 
So those are the two most important things that I have to share as far as getting over it. But then I want to share with you some practical things that I put into place to help me. So I just mentioned that I dated a little bit and, um, you know, everybody seems to be an expert on how to raise children, how to raise your children. And, um, I already knew that my, my first child was from my first marriage. I had mentioned that earlier and my abuser was mean to him as well. So I had the guilt from that allowing my first child to be in a situation where he wasn't being treated nicely. And um, I just, I couldn't undo that, but I didn't want it to continue with my other girls. So I made a conscious decision to stop dating for a variety of reasons. Like I said, I was still being harassed and it just wouldn't be right to bring somebody into the middle of this mess until that got calmed down. But also, um, I had to get my head on straight before I could get into another relationship, a serious relationship. And I definitely didn't want somebody treating my, chil my children unfairly or improperly or abusively again. <clears throat> so I just stopped dating altogether. And um, I got to tell you, I know that this isn't for everybody. And by this time I was in my thirties, so I was still fairly young. I, I didn't want to be alone forever. I knew that, but I also knew that I would rather be alone than to be with somebody who really didn't deserve me or, or the family that I had. And, uh, I will also tell you that during this period of, um, celibacy I'll just put it that way <clears throat> um, there was a lot of things that I learned about myself that I was quite capable of maintaining a home and providing for my family and providing a peaceful place for my family a calm place a place where um, you know we didn't have turmoil going on all the time there was some of course you know because there's people living in this house interacting so you have situations where you have to um, interact but I, had I accomplished a lot during that time period not just with my healing but financially and you know as far as my career and um, just so much that I did it and I did it on my own so I have that satisfaction and that pride and also undoing a lot of the brainwashing that I had saying that I couldn't do this, that I was worthless and incapable. Remember I told you a lot of those lies that were told to me were undone because the proof was right there that I was doing and accomplishing a lot without the help of somebody, you know, taking care of me or showing me what to do. Um, and them taking responsibility for my success. So that's what I decided to do. And I know that uh, most people aren't going to stay alone for that long of a period of time, but that's what worked for me. <clears throat> so there was during this time, and I had also talked about um, 
the thankfulness poster that we made. But um, this started out uh, kind of simply, really. So I'll, I'll give you two examples of people who were just my friends um, that helped me open my eyes a little bit. So there was a lady that I worked with, and um, it was in the morning, and I was at work, and I was sad, and we were standing out behind the shop, and she was listening to me. And then she said, you really need to start looking for things to be, I don't remember the exact word, so I'm going to say grateful, you know, just magical things that happen all around you. Um, and this particular morning, it was like at that time of the year where things were starting to, it, the weather was starting to cool down, but it wasn't cold yet. And the spot out behind our shop had grass and apparently the dew had formed on the grass and then froze. So every blade of grass had what looked like little diamonds all over it. So there was this like carpet of diamonds on this grassy patch. And she said, look at this. This is, this is amazing. And you'll probably never see anything like that again in your life. And she's right. This was 20 some years ago. And I really have never seen anything like that again. It was, it was amazing. And I, you know, so there was that thing of a rare, a rare, beautiful thing that I saw that, you know, she just showed me something to appreciate for that day, that not everything's miserable. And then my other friend that I mentioned in my last podcast who helped me a lot, you know, I, I think I mentioned that we used to go hiking up in the mountains in different places, and um, she helped me... Um, get my house set up when I moved there were two specific things that I remember she she said to me and one time or showed me actually a different way of looking at things we were walking one day and um, I guess this was in the spring now because we there were a lot of flowers blooming and we were walking past this bushy spot with these little flowers they were just wildflowers nothing specific like you know it wasn't a garden and there were these little flowers all over this bush and there were butterflies all over and that in itself was kind of cool but then they were mating the butterflies were mating and we were looking at them and I remember her kind of looking at me <laughs> with this little mich mischief mischievous grin on her face and she goes he's getting her he's getting her you know and so we stood there for a minute and watched the butterflies mating all over this bush, which, I don't know, it's just a natural thing that happened. And, you know, it was just seeing the miracle of life in spring and the way the sun was and everything. Um, so that was kind of neat. And when she helped me move into this new place, um, she pointed something out that was really special about the way the house was. So I, w I was living in the back half of the house. There was an apartment within a house, and we had an upstairs and a downstairs. So upstairs, it was my bedroom and the children's bedrooms, and then downstairs was a kitchen and a living area. And outside the window of my bedroom, there were these two huge trees um, where the branches came up over the porch and were almost touching the house, and it was spring. And so these trees were in full bloom and looking out. That's all I saw was just 
all these blossoms, you know, and she pointed that out that, you know, this is such a beautiful view that I have from here. And it's just, it was taking, what these people were doing was basically taking these little minutes in life that happen that we will rush by because we're so consumed with all the things. I mean, this can happen to anybody, really, not necessarily somebody in trauma, but just living their life and forgetting to look around and stop and smell the roses or smell the coffee or smell the bacon, just to take that minute and look around and see what's happening around you and savor that minute. It only takes a second, um, but to look at it and appreciate the beauty of the world around you. And for me, that's a natural thing. Most of the time it's natural. I mean, as I progressed through this, I started seeing a lot of other things that were something to celebrate or have joy. Um, so my, my children and I, we were living in this house. We stayed there for a few years. And um, I mentioned before about my faith and then really taking the time to listen to what my creator feels about me. <clears throat> now, as far as, these are basically called affirmations. And I hear different things about affirmations. So um, there are some people that say that affirmations don't work. And then there's others that swear by it. And I'm kind of on the side of believing affirmations. And it may come from <clears throat> external sources. So in my case, it was my, my faith. But then... I guess there's a two-part to it, maybe, where you, you hear it or you think it, but then you have to believe it. So if you're not a spiritual person and you're maybe doing, like, your Miracle Morning or, um, which there's a whole book on that, The Miracle Morning, but part of that is affirmations or listening to Tony Roberts or other motivational speakers and reading books and whatnot, when they tell you to do affirmations. <clears throat> um, I would say get a journal, and I've journaled before, but part of that miracle morning is, is journaling anyway, uh, and writing these things about yourself and telling yourself your worth, okay? Yeah, so when I say writing things about yourself, I'm not saying write down that I don't know how to manage money or I am a bad person or I'm too fat to be loved. Okay, we're not going to do those things. We're going to say I'm a kind person. I'm a giving person. I'm a great mother or whatever applies to you. Write it down. Believe it. Write it down and put it on your mirror in the morning. Speaking of, one of the things that I did to help me a lot of people didn't understand it, but um, before I got this house, when I was at my lowest point, oh God, here I am, I went through a period where I, I just didn't think I wanted to live any longer, and I did something to myself, which I'm not going to say because I'm trying to really not um, give anybody any ideas, but I did do something to myself, and I ended up going to the emergency room, and... As a follow-up, I will tell you, I was in therapy after this. This was like the bottom lowest point. But anyway, while I was in 
the emergency room, they put the electrodes on me, checking my heart and so on and so forth. And I got out of the emergency room. I went home and was waiting for my appointment. <clears throat> well, they when they took the electrodes off of me, they left one on. So I was in the bathroom looking at myself in the mirror and kind of feeling pretty miserable. And I took that electrode and I stuck it on the mirror. And I just left it there. And it stayed there for years. <clears throat> Matter of fact, um, if you've never had any kind of heart monitoring, these little electrode things that they put on you, they're sticky. And they have like a jelly on the, on the back of it that sticks to you. So I stuck that on that mirror. And it wasn't long after that that I, well, I lost my house. I told that story about how I lost the house. And I moved into this house that I was just talking about. And I took that electrode with me and stuck it on the mirror in the bathroom at that house. And we lived there for a few years, like I said. By the time we moved, the jelly on the back of this electrode thing had become like a, a glob at the bottom. There was barely anything holding it onto the mirror. But I left that there as a reminder to myself that I would never, ever, ever allow anyone to make me feel so bad about myself that I wouldn't want to live anymore. That my life was worth more than anybody else ever could make me feel. And by the time I moved from that house to another house, I was in a much better frame of mind. And I did throw that one away, and I don't feel bad about that. But um, it took that long, and it stayed on the, on the mirror mirror and nobody ever asked me about that it's, I guess maybe they didn't know what it was it would just look like a little snap really with a disc behind it but um the kids knew better than to take it off I think one time when and I just said no leave it there but you can stick little sticky notes on the mirrors saying whatever you need to think for that day you can change them you can repeat these things to yourself every morning as you're washing your face and brushing your teeth and shaving or whatever it is that you do in the morning to help you get through. So I do believe in affirmations and my little electrode wasn't necessarily an affirmation specifically, but it was a reminder of where I never ever wanted to go again, a place I never wanted to be in my life again. And quite honestly, I've never been in that place again. As a matter of fact, as I moved out of my, my depression and my feelings of self-worth into a more stable frame of mind, um, I came to a place where I was actually kind of happy. Or, or, I guess it's through my gratitude growth, maybe, that... I was at a place where um, I became appreciative. I won't say grateful or happy, or but I came, became appreciative of the hard times that I went through um, for a lot of reasons. For one thing, when, when you have something difficult, and like I said, I'm it, it puts me in a perspective where I can share things because I know how it feels, but also the growth. I mean, growth is difficult sometimes. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes growing isn't fun, 
So these hard times actually help me become a better person, a stronger person, a more mature person, a more compassionate person. But also, during the hard times, when you come out of it, and you can have peace again, and you can have joy again, and you can have good times, then you appreciate those good times more as well. You, you realize how valuable all these different phases in your life, that's what I've come to realize anyway, how valuable all the phases in my life are. So that's that part of it. And then um, it also gave me time to process and think about what I wanted in a partner. Okay, because I don't, I don't really think most of us are meant to be alone, at least not forever. Um, but there may be phases in your life where you choose to be a single person. Um, and it's a very personal and intimate, intimate with yourself part of, of your life to decide whether or not you want to be single or with a, a partner. Um, so... I spent time thinking about that, what I wanted, and just as a, a note of encouragement, I have been with my partner now, a man. Um, I met him in 2003. We started dating in 2005, and we are still together. And, um, of course, we have our moments, just like any other relationship, but uh, he doesn't hit me. He may occasionally say something that's abusive, but I have the strength now to stand up to him and tell him that he's, I don't like being treated like that. And um, I know that he would never allow anybody to abuse or disrespect me. So there is hope for your future. Just give yourself time and walk the walk or walk the steps. Just like, um, you know, they tell you in the 12-step the programs, you have to walk the walk. There's always hope. There's always hope. Just give yourself time and be patient with yourself. There is one other thing that I went through during this period. Um, and I had mentioned, I don't, I think I mentioned this in an earlier episode, probably my first episode when I was talking about my mother. Um, and that was a couple, there were a couple things with that. So, <clears throat> you know, acknowledging that she was my first abuser. She was the one who trained me how to be abused. And then I had to decide, okay, or realize she was not a good mother. I didn't have a good mother. At that point in my life, I still needed some parenting, even though I was an adult. I became my own mother in internally. I mothered myself. Um, and I treated myself the way I wanted my children to be treated as far as how, how you deal with um, taking responsibility for your actions. How do, you, how do you set boundaries so that people don't take advantage of you? Uh, all these different things. I started mothering myself and I mourned. I think I said this before, I didn't mourn the loss of a mother. I mourned that I never really had an adequate mother. I had a physical mother, but I didn't have 
a good, nurturing, stable mother. So I mourned that loss. And that brings me to another essential step in recovering and getting over what it is or, or these parts of your life and people who hurt you. And you hear it time and time again, and it's forgiveness. And so my thoughts on forgiveness is this. <clears throat> forgiveness really isn't for the offender. Offend uh, forgiveness is for the offended. That's the person who's going to benefit from it. Unless your offender has some kind of humility and remorse for what they've done, forgiving them does nothing for them. But it does do a world of good for the offended. When you release that obligation, that debt that they owe you for the infractions that they've um, committed against you, it's liberating for one thing. You're not constantly waiting for that retribution. It's gone. You don't care anymore. It's just, it's released. Um, so there's that. And, okay, so let me tell you a story. Another one, right? <laughs> so I think I mentioned that my ex-husband and his wife, his second wife, we all went to the same church. And this was not only, this, this breakup was not only devastating for me personally, but for our church. It really hurt the church that she did this. And, um... So we were all having to deal with that loss and grief. And we were having a Bible study, I believe it was, one time. And she came up in the conversation. And I said to my minister that I had to forgive her. No, that's not what I said. I said I had to believe that she was forgiven, not by me, but by my God. And the reason why I had to believe that is because if he's going to forgive me, he's also going to forgive her, and he would forgive Robert. Sorry, I just said somebody's name that I swore I would never do, so sorry about that. But anyway, he would also forgive my mother. <clears throat> and if I believe that to be true, then God will find a way for me to forgive these people. They don't necessarily deserve my forgiveness, but I'm going to do it for me. So just saying that was actually made it true. It made it true. So when we, talk about the affirmations and undoing those negative brainwashing things that we've been living with our entire life or during the course of a relationship. Saying the opposite can help make it true. So when we go back to the mirror and you have on there that I'm a capable human being or whatever you write that you want to believe about yourself and you say it to yourself in the mirror even if you're brushing your teeth, you know, you know, something like that. 
saying it becomes it becomes real my minister was kind of dumbfounded when I said that he didn't really think that that of all people in the church that it would come out of my mouth but it did and it tells you where I was and it tells you the impact of your growth on other people it was never expected for me to say something like that but it's the truth in my mind that's the truth so <clears throat> after five years of celibacy and therapists and just giving myself time to heal I did manage to get over it I mean that's what people say right just get over it I did manage to get over it but I did it in a time frame that worked for me and worked for my family and I'm so glad that I did it the way that I did I would not change a minute of it so hopefully this has been helpful to you and hopefully it will help you help someone else or help yourself and um, I guess I want to mention a couple things because we're in the middle of the COVID and I've talked a lot about therapy now currently I'm not in therapy um, I'm not really sure how they're handling that at the moment and I guess it varies from different places uh, it might be actually easier to have group therapy I mean, excuse me, individual therapy right now as opposed to group because of the, the COVID. But um, one of the resources that I have found recently, just looking to see what's available, my concern for people, um, there are groups on Facebook for domestic violence. There's one specific group. Unfortunately, it I say it's for women, fortunately or unfortunately. This specific group is for women only. It's domestic violence survivors for women. Um, so you, it's not going to let a man into it. And I do apologize if you happen to be a man listening to this right now who's in a situation. I, but there is a Facebook group for females. And um, this particular group that I'm in is very, very active the women are very very supportive of each other there's a lot of sharing that goes on <clears throat> there's a lot of encouragement so you may not be able to access a group right now of people who are survivors and but um, this one particular place I know of <clears throat> is a place where you can get together with people who understand and have gone through it with you so um, there may be other resources, but this is what I'm aware of at the time. Um, so I'm going to let you go at this point. It is Memorial Day 2020. Hopefully everybody will have a peaceful and safe day. And I will get back to you soon. If you have questions, please send me a, a message through the anchor. I can get voice messages that way. Um, questions, things that you want to know, um, and I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.